2: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
1: Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com
0: Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside! Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! And <laughs>
3: oh, goal! My friend is fouled! Bath post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, a deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's
0: another goal! Incredible! Huddle! Taylor
2: has scored! And that's surely.
0: Goal by Jürgen Bjorkson. Awesome Austin going in. Yes. New bet. New bet. 2-0 Swindon. Danny Waal. No, I will win this league anyway. Richard, He's hit it. It's Crabble. Colin Doyle strikes again. And a brilliant goal. didn't it? It seems like just yesterday we were celebrating the conclusion to one of the worst campaigns in Swindon Town's recent history, but 2021-22 was different. A positive season full of great memories despite it being bookended by stress and strain. Yes, we laughed, we cried, we celebrated, we sighed. And here to remember as much as we can and give out some pointless but loving awards. Firstly, it's James. Hello, James. Evening, yeah. It's nice to be back on the pod again. It's been a while. Also here is Dan. Evening, everyone.
2: Evening, Rich. Hi, gentlemen. Don't be sad that it happened. Oh, or something like that. I don't know.
0: I'm over it, right? Absolutely yeah. nailed that, yeah. Dan. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah, brilliant.
1: And finally, it's Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, live, Laugh, Love. And uh, it's nice <laughs> to be giving some good vibes out.
0: <laughs> here we are again. I think this is our fourth End of season review. We tend to talk about the season, obviously, and also give out, as I said, some awards based on our observations over the year. All the awards pretty much voted by members of the podcast. And of course, there's the listeners' vote too. I don't know why I put negative categories in there, but it's nice to have it. And my goodness, considering we had the most negative part of the season right at the end. So we'll start with biggest villain. (laughs) previous winners have been the forest greens preemptive stars it was a different vibe back then uh covid19 and lee power originally this was going to be ipswich town and kieran mckenna for recalling tyree simpson but then then the final game of our season happened and so the biggest villain goes to port vale fans james is that justified
3: based on the scenes on. Thursday night. I think it's pretty undeniable that they have to be kind of talked about. Um, biggest villains movie a bit harsh. Um, no, it's completely valid. Last summer, but it's not a completely unfair titles. And let's not give um, the Swiss Irishman any more breath than we need to after the season. I think we need to forget about. That man now because our club always is and always will be bigger than Lee Power. So let's move on from that.
0: Yeah. Parasite of a man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Joe, we forgot in the post Vale second leg pod to talk about the handball. Um we also forgot to mention that they celebrate to Glad all over too. So I'm, I'm I'm really hoping that we never hear that song again at the county ground where I'll get some Vietnam-esque flashbacks. Outrageous. But the behavior of the fans at the ends, yeah, I think they get their villain. They're worthy of their villain status.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I'm more of a more than happy to have XTC on, even if, you know, these sensors aren't always going over time. But uh I, if I was a Sun reader, I think I'd be confused because I thought it was uh, our fans making all the trouble and I must have missed Egbo's uh, move to Port Vale as well.
0: They haven't hung around there, have they? No, um, If anyone who doesn't know, The Sun had a caption with Mandela Egbo that suggested, well, stated that a that Swindon fans had caused the damage to Mandela Egbo's face. Dan, were you there? Have you recovered? Was there recovering... Um. Yeah, and a fully justified uh,
2: Biggest Villain Award to the, um, I suppose, disclaimer, the Port Vale fans that acted in such a horrible way, because, you know, for every one of them, there was another 100 Port Vale fans in the stand, I suppose, who were clapping and celebrating. But yeah, just, this seems to be like the tipping point week in football slash society, where the pitch invasion powder keg's just been lit and everyone's thinking, well, wow, everyone else has been dickheads this week. I want me a piece of the dickhead pie. I'm going to run on. And what was it today? We've had um, the Aston Villa goalkeeper potentially assaulted, wasn't it? at the uh, During the scenes that the Etihad. So, yeah, I mean, it's not unique to Port Vale, but, you know, having seen it firsthand and seeing the Swindon players fighting their way off the pitch, you know, moments after the most painful part of the season. I've got to remember, these are mostly young men, young professionals. They're not wrestlers. Um, Yeah, disgraceful, disgraceful scenes. And um, yeah, I mean, if anyone needs a lighter or a pound coin, a Fanta bottle, um, there's plenty of them in the away end still. So um, go and collect from the biker's road end.
0: Is there, is there any Frey-Bentos dickhead pie, though?
2: <laughs> Other brands of pie are available. Um, no, no,
0: just Frey-Bentos.
2: <laughs> God, there I is. ate one of them once at uni. Like, oh, bad. What, dickhead pie? No, uh, Frey-Bentos.
0: <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Well, look, we'll we'll move on. Port Vale fans, you rotters, all of you, no no (laughs) provisos, every single one of you are absolutely the worst and you get the award for this year. Stick around though, Port Vale, because we move on to our next (laughs) negative accolade and that's really for Swindon, which is worst moment. Previous worst moments uh, have been the FA Cup loss to Woking, Jerry Yates' recall, and uh, John Sheridan's faux resignation last season. Suggestions for this year include the summer of 2021, Town away, the rats fleeing the ship. I'll let you decide on who that is. But the worst moment is the shootout at Port Vale and aftermath. Recency bias claxon joe <laughs> is very much sounding right now
1: yeah i think it, you can't help but escape like the events over the last week and like we just discussed with perhaps the the roar of feeling comes from uh, from after the match but this has been our you know our first you know sort of big uh, promotion push that we've had. You know, our last promotion was kind of curtailed, and we kind of that that agony of wondering if we'd go up or or not was almost taken away from us a bit because it was all sort of calculated on a on a strange points per game strategy. So it's been seven years really since we've actually been in that in that position of wondering to scrape through. We had that absolutely bizarre uh, five five with Sheffield United, and then. Utter misery, the likes of which we haven't seen replicated at Wembley this year uh, in the finals. So, yes, it's recency bias, but that's that's been our only our second shootout of of the year. I'd forgotten we'd we'd lost that one to Cambridge as well, hadn't we? Dan, you were at that one. Yeah, well, it was an enjoyable night until that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> twenty five quid a ticket, wasn't it?
2: Oh, hey, they're, they're oh, oh. in a mid table <laughs> season. They may have been the
0: biggest villains for me. I've completely forgotten <laughs> well, about that. Yeah. Perhaps, before, perhaps Port Vale have saved us a very expensive trip to Wembley to watch us lose one nil to a defensively stingy Mansfield side. So maybe, maybe we've dodged a bullet there. Who knows? But you know, I think it's it's not this one's not necessarily in terms of worst moments, It's not it's not about the the Port Vale fans. This one. It's just like a top scorer, you know, who really out of nowhere top scorer missed. A player who has shrugged off so many injury-prone seasons to have his first full mainstay season as a regular in LSI Anderleau missing the last one. It was kind of like, of all the people you don't want to miss, it's him. So I I think that's why it's undeniably the worst moment in terms of the football, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And on that, I'm going to
2: make a bold prediction. So when Psycho, England's left back, Missed the penalty what? in nineteen ninety. It was six years before he got his redemption, wasn't it? Euro
0: ninety six. Well, don't ask them. Ask me because the two Welsh guys they don't they don't know anything about English football, do they? So um, yes, <laughs> it, it who's, was. Six who's years. psycho?
1: <laughs> I'm
0: joking. <laughs> anyway, um,
2: so what would that make that? I've made that six years time. So two thousand twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, in the dawn of Iandolo's Swindon career, there will be a winning penalty moment.
0: Three years after his testimonial season, too, yes. so which, which would be an incredible to so just play
2: the long game on that, Ellis. But that was heartbreaking watching it, I felt so bad for him.
1: Stuart Pierce actually lives a little bit near me and he has been spotted in the garden center on Valentine's Day browsing the cards. That's nice. good, man. Yeah, definitely got something to make up for, I think. <laughs> 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 okay the final of the uh, the
0: slightly negative ones the disappearing acts one of my favourite of the uh, the sillier ones previous winners have been Martin Smith Dion Donoghue twice the second <laughs> one sharing with Michael Delty and Kieran Freeman the, uh, the Welsh Amigos disappearing last season um, a few suggestions this year uh, Manny Idem who's more of a state of mind than, than an actual player I'm pretty sure Ryan East what happened to that guy Anthony Grant looked like he was going to win, but a a, a late rally for Mr. John McGrill and Rennie Gilmartin. The latter, I don't think, ever did an interview, although he was in the building. A worthy award, (laughs) James, for the the original management duo of Swindon Town this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's John McGrill.
0: It's John McGrill.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's had a... Good. He's he? It's not like he's gone anywhere else. So maybe he should have stuck around. But Ipswich under twenty threes, wasn't
2: it?
0: Yeah. yeah. If, if you believe the conspiracy theorists, he might be the reason why Tyrese <laughs> got
1: recalled. Although I'm not quite sure that he has that sway. It's got a juicy twist, though, isn't it? If he did, it's got it's got a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. That, for me, there's just so much. There's still so much mystery about about what happened because you know he did that interview. He you know was trying to rally around the fan base when. You know the trust and the OSC were having those messages of stay away and saying what a big opportunity was, and then there was the sort of takeover rumblings and those kind of things, and that rumor about Robbie Fowler before he got appointed and all kinds of silliness like that. And publicly facing, I'm sure there's bound to be people who are a bit more ITK than we are. Uh, Clem was saying that you know he'd meet with him and you know talk through what his ambitions were, which. Again, outward facing, he said, was to stay in the league. Um, but, I don't know, someone must have put the frighteners on them because they were gone. I mean, if his contract is anything like Piers Sweeney's or even JoJo's or Harry Parsons, he was probably wise to do so because probably had about as much validity as a, you know, a Lee Power phone-in, but...
0: No, agreed. I think it's, it's a very fair comment. And, you know, there's no ill towards John McGrill and René Gilmartin. I have definitely had a former manager in a previous job where they came in on the Monday with these big ideas and on Tuesday they were trying to implement those ideas. On the Wednesday they make a plea saying, please do these things and then they're gone by a week or a month Later, I've definitely encountered that, and it just had that feel that that last rallying cry. My goodness, mm. um, quite the thing, wasn't it?
1: I've got a new dream podcast guest for you to interview for next year, though. Ooh, well, it'd have to be John or Rene, wouldn't it? Let's get it from the horse's mouth.
0: I think legal reasons probably prevent that. I mean, what was the last update on those? Have they been? Has it been all ended? Advisory panel talks about that quite a bit, doesn't it?
1: There's usually a note on the end, isn't there, which is sort of like their ongoing dispute. So I've, I didn't see their names on the last one, but there wasn't a comment on that that mm. presentation. Okay, okay. I mean,
2: they've both well, got jobs, I don't know, so probably less, you know. Where's Ronay?
3: That's why he got a job somewhere.
0: I think he's still working with the Republic of Ireland, yeah. wasn't he? I think I think he was goalkeeper coach within the youth setup, maybe. Who knows? But we wish them well. But he disappeared in a mighty, mighty way. Let's move on to the season and mostly good things now from here on. How on earth does Swindon beat the odds and not struggle this season? Well, just look at the players in the squad. Um you know, with a bit of
2: juggling and a bit of wheelie dealing we've actually got a fairly talented first 16 players. Um, so that that's why is essentially we've got a good enough team to get the results to finish where we did. But the, the bigger mystery will be, you know, how on earth did we get that team together in the space of two weeks? Uh, particularly when you're talking about players of the calibre of Louis Reed, who looks like he negotiated his way out of a, Peterborough contract to join Swindon. Um, players like Johnny Williams, even with the Ben Crystal Palace link, that still seemed so far fetched when he just left Cardiff. Um, yeah, and then <clears throat> I suppose some solid players left behind who could have jumped ship and diff- didn't. So big, big credit to the uh, the faithful eight. That remained because that that did prove a really good core for the season. Conroy and Baudry have just ended the year as a you know about as good a centre back partnership as we've, we've had this year. Uh, Payne has been absolutely pivotal. Um, Leiden was looking like he was going to play a big part this year until injury struck again. Hunty been very consistent, so
0: yeah. It, it is funny though, Dan. It is funny that it, depending on who you talk to, um, at the st- this time last year there was only minus six players, <laughs> um, only four players, five players, three players, two players, one players, no players at all, no one available for Scunthorpe. <laughs> the, the The narrative really does change. It's, it's quite extraordinary, really, because it was pretty damn bad with eight players. Uh, in you know. And, and a collection of under 18s, but it was eight that reported to training early on. And I think five or six started um, against Melksham and Melksham really was a bleak feeling across the 900 odd that were there. Um, it, it didn't feel like there was much optimism, just a lot of conversations of what do you reckon then? Do you reckon we'll be all right? You know, that, that seemed to be the conversation <laughs> that, that many were having, certainly with me that day. And, I guess that leads on to my next question, James. Did did the summer of twenty twenty one really have that much impact on the season in terms of the squads? Because it all went very very well, really, other than the conclusion.
3: Yeah, I think it's massive. I mean, in so many different ways. I think one, I think, have experience in that kind of thing is you know not know what's going to happen with your job and all that kind of stuff. frankly, for the eight that were there. You know that that bonds you together And the fact that you got through that and then you're in a better position as a football than you probably have been in years and years and years and also then the kind of the mass almost euphoria really when Morfuni came in and then the kind of mad rush to get players in after that and I think the one man I think we need to talk about this when we talk about kind of Season and certainly that early part of it, since in terms of recruitment, has to be Ben Chorley. I don't think he gets the plaudits he deserves. He must have been stuff, must have been cooking in the background prior to the the kind of,
0: 100%. So, must have, there's no way how he
3: managed to do that without not 100% knowing when the club was going to get in. Imagine do enough to keep them around. I mean, him and obviously must have had the, obviously the financial side of things, but the fact they managed to do that and with. Obviously, Ghana was was kind of in. Must have been in the room at the time because it was what a day after Ghana was appointed. And then with Ghana not having a full preseason, but managing to somehow get a playing style that worked across in a matter of weeks, really. I mean, not really, literally in a matter of weeks, is no mean feat. And I don't think like, this campaign has been so positive. Like it's been the best. I genuinely think it's been the best season we've had in a decade, and even maybe even in the Di Canio season because, like, when you look at the other two teams that were in the same financial position in terms of the embargo and stuff, they both got relegated. You know, and the fact that we're in the playoffs is a massive, massive thing against the books. So I think we just need to. Again, I don't want to be the kind of oh, we were last year kind of guy, but you you have to take that perspective
0: on it because you can for this for this episode because we're we're looking back at the seasons. That's fine. I think I think Joe, in in terms of this being such a good season, I think the fans have played a massive part in here. And if you take away all that sort of loud minority, the fans turned up in numbers from the off, you know, all season long, really, and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger as, as the season was beginning to come to its end, And that's what we've been crying for for so long, that fan unity. And again, people whinging on social media is not reflective because what we care about is people getting into the ground and watching and supporting the side.
1: Uh, yeah. And I was just thinking then just listening to, um, you know, reflections on preseason and, uh, how it'd gone there. Um, I think that we've had the category about, you know, the villain of the year, and there's no hero of the year. Um, And I think that we would probably be unanimous in, while a lot of people will tip their hat and, you know, thank the new chairman, Mr. Morfuni, uh, I think my hero for the year for keeping the lights on, of course, would be Steve Mildenhall, who stepped yes. up in a big, big way. Um, oh. But the, you know, the cult of Clem has come to town. And one thing that, you know, we can say about Clem is yeah, he is a a... A people person who's not been shy to you know get involved with things like kickabouts at foundation park get into schools get that community aspect um and it's just been interesting every time that you know i've i've managed to get down you know to see a a pretty full county ground i remember a couple of seasons ago we'll all remember going to that exeter game and seeing you know all four sides looking looking busy and getting a good turnout and thinking i haven't seen this for years and then getting that kind of feeling every time that i've come to the county ground pretty much this year has been like i think the lowest gate I came to is about nine thousand nine hundred so i think part of it has been you know people have have missed the experience um there's good vibes around the ground people have felt more encouraged to come along there's been initiatives uh like you know james you got kickstarted like things like town and out and her game two that we've signed up to We looked into other fan initiatives so people are, are feeling you know, more positive and more welcoming in coming along. So any minorities or silly behaviours is not really there. People are coming out in, in droves and I'm seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of new young families coming along as well, which is which is quite nice. I used to, this might not be everybody's like lived experience, but if I've, I came in to Swindon on the train last time, I thought I'd drive to Didcot and then take the train up just for a short hop because I thought I'd never get parked um, on the playoff day. And it's one of the first times when you're like walking, you know, up Manchester Road and cutting through to the County Ground Hotel, and people who sort of live on that block. It used to feel like maybe, you know, football matches were a bit of an inconvenience or you know disturbance, or people would be parked outside the house. I'm seeing lots of you know houses coming out and two or three family members coming out, and you know the kids in the full shirt, and everyone's going down to the ground. It's it's a wonderful feeling.
0: Yeah, and I still, Dan, don't think the club have done huge amounts to get the average punter through the door. You know, there's been school incentives, bits and pieces like that. But in terms of the actual regular punter, it feels like it's just been nothing more than, why not come and watch Swindon this week? And yet they've they've we've still turned up. I mean, I'm not a Swindonian, I'm not Swindon-based. I might not have seen bits and pieces, but I still don't think there's been that much of a drive, even for season tickets now. It's kind of like, we'd really like to hit this number. But I haven't seen a season ticket push for for quite a while, but we're still turning up. Yeah, I I think you make quite a good point
2: there, actually. It has been fairly mute for, you know, how big a push it could have been. Um, I think what you're seeing at the club is even though, you know, we've now been under new ownership for, what is it, approaching 10 months or thereabouts, I still think there's a little bit of um, people power needed Behind the scenes, I I think, for example, we still only have the one media person, you know, and you would expect that department to be a grower, you know, um, in future. But, yeah, I I think on that front, you've you've kind of had a a perfect storm. Some of the things which, you know, were looking like really gloomy in the last couple of years. So COVID, you know, and not people not being allowed into grounds has um, given people a huge chance to miss it. And perhaps it's got some punters who went occasionally watching more regularly on iFollow. And actually, perhaps that's that's turned a few sort of edge case fans into more, you know, week by week fans. Um, and then you've got the, you know, the horrible business of the you know, nearly going out of business and the, the long wrangled takeover. But actually you see how many people were staying away because of Lee Power and perhaps the number of people who were staying away has, has even taken us by surprise because the, the crowd numbers this year is phenomenal in a sort of 21st century Swindon Town context. This is our largest average attendance probably since all the way back to, what, 95, 96 under Steve McMahon? You'd probably, probably go all the way back to then. So... Um, but yeah, and the the other thing, you know, success on the pitch, that does the promo, that does the selling of the club for you. Um, and there has been, despite our poor home record, you know, we've always been in touch at the top end. A little dip out in spring, but finished strong, like a bolter and a and a horse race. So yeah, I, I think I I mean I'd, I'd love to know what the season ticket figures are right now and. Yeah, perhaps we might see a bit more of a push, and you know how summers go. It'll only take you know one or two sign-ins um, to get the uh, get people salivating, and um, yeah, looking forward to those July friendlies. And uh, let's go again. Pick ourselves up and go again.
1: All right, I think sorry. All right, I think the season tickets were pretty much sort of static around the sort of four and a half, five thousand mark, and a lot of that it's also remarkable I think a lot of that, that push has been, has been walk or people buying in the week. Yeah, yeah, probably in, in, in,
0: yeah. In the, in the hope of winning a meal with Clem Mulfuni. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or having a pint pulled from him. Evil way,
0: evil way. Um, Let's this, this, this give out an award, and to give out this award, we, we do have to live in the past, and we have to go back a, a year or so. Spoiler alert. So we're going to have best moment. Loads of wonderful moments this season. Previous winners have been injury time, Mr. Doughty versus Macclesfield, Doyle's goal at Plymouth, and Broadbent at Oxford. Suggestions included Scunthorpe United away which was probably second. First half versus Walsall away. McCurdy's goal versus Man City. Town away gets a second nod for the other side. The winner was redemption. A book closing moment. Dion Conroy's goal against Oldham Athletic. James it was a great moment.
3: Yeah I mean it was it was definitely the chapter close wasn't it And I think.
0: And that's the key term isn't it that's the key term.
3: We all needed that, I think is what's been kind of nice after that is John Sheridan's almost like gone out of this one town vernacular now because the kind of the things that we wanted to happen have kind of happened, and we've kind of had some amount of vindication with you know us doing well beating them and then them going down under him um, showing that we kind of weren't wrong for believing he was a tactical dinosaur slash god knows what um type of man as well. Um so yeah it's just a full circle and I wasn't there on the day but the the Andrew Hall's commentary and the the noise from the town end was just absolutely that I saw on like follow and, you know, GIF's um you know Twitter videos of the, the I follow stream were just Absolutely amazing,
0: absolutely amazing. Dan, you were there, I was there. You had your son with you. I was somewhere else in the Don Rogers with my daughter and both of them got hurled around in celebrations (laughs) um, for that one. And I cannot stress it enough, you know. I I don't know John Sheridan as a person. Um, I didn't like the way his conclusion at Swindon was managed by himself. And it was just a moment for me. I've got no issue with him whatsoever but that moment just felt like it was not just John Sheridan it was like the whole of last season just felt like it was like and that's the end
2: yeah well summed up um yeah to what you've said we don't know John Sheridan the human being we can only surmise based on how he's treated other human beings at the club um but John Sheridan the football manager the negligence the lack of care the way that it genuinely looked like he was trying to take Swindon down as a favour to a pal, um, and and one of the sweetest things about that goal, you know, in addition to Bordry getting a, a few shots in off the bench earlier in the match, was that Alice Iandolo, you know, who you know suffered at the hands of Sheridan last year and injuries, and he put the cross in, and Dion Conroy you know, sort of much maligned alongside um, Tom Broadbent towards the end of the season, hauled off against Gillingham, and publicly embarrassed, etc., etc. et cetera, you know, that Dion would nod it in. And just, just that was that extra bit of um, icing on top of the cake for the chapter to be closed.
1: I would have liked to have enjoyed it. but well, There was this guy next to me just going on and on and, and stuff. <laughs> it was lovely to share that moment with, uh, with Dan and, the other thing that yes it was it was a little bit pantomime it was cathartic and it was cleansing but throughout that year it wasn't just you know it wasn't just Sheridan in 2021 who was on Dion Conroy's back and it was just quite a nice moment to see that togetherness as well of everyone sort of crowding around him and enjoying that that moment that that made it extra special for me
0: yeah, I would agree with that I would agree
1: with
2: yeah, that because um, okay. The Tuesday before, Dion had taken absolute pouters down at Exeter, hadn't he? I think that was mm. the Tuesday before the Saturday we played Oldham. So, yeah, it, it felt like from the sort of Oldham home game onwards, Conroy, his form and fortune's definitely started to go up on the graph. Um He's finished the season well.
0: Yes, he has. And who knows? We might see him again next season at Orient or maybe Swindon. Who... We'll have to wait and see. We'll move on to the next award, best team performance. Again, there were there were quite a few. Previous winners have been a win at Forest Green Rovers, a win against Exeter City, and last season, the opening game of the season against Rochdale. I feel a bit uneasy about the fact that for, you know, two of the four years we've been doing this, it's gone to wins against Forest Green Rovers. But here we are, best team performance, Forest Green Rovers at home. 2-1 win. Lovely. Who went? Because I, I was I was on my there. holiday and I missed the biggest game of the season. Dan, what a win. Yeah, it was um so actually in a funny
2: way, because I also, in my notes to you, Rich, put forward Forest Green away on Telly 2-0, which was probably, you know, one of our most complete performances of the season. But the home game for two reasons was you know more standout. The first reason being it was proper business end of the season. It was effectively a playoff game for Swindon. Needed to win to stay in the mix. And as it showed on the last day at Walsall, we needed every point we got in that last uh, four or five games. And secondly, Ellis Anderleau getting sent off after, was it 56, 57 minutes? Um, and it was the first time we'd had a, a red card within the 90 minutes this season. All our other reds have been know, hilariously sort of stoppage time onwards and a couple of Reds after the game as well for Louis Reed at home to Crawley and Dion Conroy away at Barrow. So it was a real test of our metal against the champions of League Two, the best team over the season. And the crowd were really, really supportive, even after Forest Green got a goal back. And that was a performance of a lot of steel and a lot of metal. From swindon so probably one of the most satisfying victories and performances of the season
1: um i think that it's not something that i nominated because of course you know it's you're in that sort of dilemma of thinking like am i going to go for the, you know one of these more comprehensive you know sort of super slick neat wins where we basically got to run the show and stamp our authority on it but it's a very worthy nominee because it's it's probably the game from this season that will live longest in the memory for all the all the Dan has said there is that you know we actually got stuck in and we did all the things that perhaps many could accuse that we haven't done over the season of you know sort of riding the storm out and you know getting stuck in some of the you know the sort of effort and sheer will and running on empty at the end was was remarkable to see it was a great great night
0: that's us reflect on a couple of other personal good experiences I suppose so very quickly I mean my my favorite Game of this season was probably Bristol Rovers away. Um, the pouring rain, Tinto Lounge with Connor and Dan, pots of tea, and then into a away end. And there's n- there's nothing better than you know getting drenched. Hang on, in the away hang on. Were and, you not and...
2: treated like a prisoner of war?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. No. I'm not. But I'm not a Port Vale fan. No, well, not at okay. all. No. Um, I had a lovely time and and you know, just those moments when, when McCurdy finished it off with the error and just just a really, really great day. And uh, very very few games I walked away pretty disheartened. I think Newport at home and the Salford and Exeter games, they were pretty pretty close together, those tight losses. But but there were just so many. So very quickly, your 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 best and worst. So James, your best and worst. Best. Oh that's an interesting one.
3: Probably Warsaw away to be honest with you. So it's going to be a slightly long-winded way of talking about it. But obviously, I've moved away from the south west and moved into I've moved to Wolverhampton. And one thing that's been really nice since I've been to three games since moving here, has been really nice going to and seeing Swindon fans and like hearing a West Country accent and it's like that identity. I kind of feel like this season. I found like, my identity as a Swindon fan again because and this is kind of going back a long way as well, but with the kind of the best, best and worst moment, I think, last season, and it has been for many seasons as well, being a Swindon fan has always been with an asterisk, slash caveat, because of the power era. Because you kind of, obviously we're all Swindon fans, but you kind of didn't want to support the club in a sense. That's not the best way of wording it. Because of the owner, really, um, and um, certainly last season, it almost like didn't feel like you were supporting the football club. It felt like you were supporting. I mean, we talked about this a lot last season, and we felt like we were su- uh, supporting a failing business rather than a, a functioning football club. So this season has been 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 massive, and it's kind sort of topped off with a little jaunt over the the M six to to Warsaw. Was was an incredible game, an incredible atmosphere, and obviously it was. Nice meeting. i see you, you, Connor and Terry before. And Sally so didn't get to see Dan on that day. Well, from when he was on the pitch. Um, I, I didn't punch any players. All
0: right. Prove it. There's CCTV footage. I could prove that if I needed. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this, this really is a classic JB short response. So you <laughs> might, you might have heard me say do this quickly, but for James, that was super, super quick. Dan, Good and bad? Uh,
2: Good. I would say having an FA Cup run and that fixture against Manchester City, which, you know, even if it, you know, becomes a bit of a, you know, know, like fair weather fan day out and you know you're not going to win. It was just still so lovely to watch my football team take on the Champions-Elect, one of the best teams we've seen in our lifetime. And boy, did they put a strong team out. And boy was it lovely to watch such brilliant players up close um you know and seeing some lovely moments too like Carl Walker and the disabled fan like embracing and um just watching players like Rodri live and thinking Christ this guy is a beast
0: <laughs> oh it's just so quick isn't it compared to league 2 football they oh, just move yes such a faster pace, it's, it's yeah. insane. Joe, best,
1: worst? Everyone's going best, so let's just keep the nice vibes going. Um, I was unfortunate to sort of miss out on all these away events because, you know, we talk about home attendances. The hottest ticket in town has been, you know, away tickets. But uh, we had a very nice, um, a nice morning in Newport, didn't we? And we had some wings together. Oh, that yes. was a...
0: Ugh. A very enjoyable
1: away day, which I enjoyed um, incognito. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of performances of, you know, things that I've enjoyed, um, you know, in the chateau, um, <laughs> any time that Warsaw has come up, you know, that's always been a time to rub your hands together. The cup and the two uh, fixtures were great fun. I had a lot of fun doing the pizza trophy with you. And, um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, the yeah. five, fa- I nominated the five <laughs> one for Northampton. I know it was a bit, you know, COVID struck, but that was sensational stuff.
0: Yeah, it was, especially as Northampton were quite good for, for a fair bit of that game too. And then we just dismantled them. Oh, Joe, you've just reminded me that we get to do tiny rebel away again next season. Small mercies, but, uh, But I'm going to beat the wings this time, that's for sure.
1: I was going to say we'd share a wings, but I'm glad you're going to go for it.
0: I'm going to go for it. And I know what to expect now. I was expecting itty-bitty rubbish wings. They they sent me, like, well, they were huge. So more of those, please, tiny rebel. Dan, why did we thrive away from home? Oh, well,
2: I think a few reasons you could chuck in before I go to the main one. I think excellent away support. And it has been vociferous and large in number away from home this year. I think the yellow and green kit holds some sort of magic power. Um, I've loved that kit. It's like I want that kit to stay, but annoyingly, it obviously won't. It will change.
0: Um, you didn't want to end it at Port Vale, did you? It didn't oh, want to end at Port Vale I like know. it did. It, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Beautiful
2: kit. Um, but the main reason, I think, has been... Style of play, possession-based, patient, um, technical, um, mixed in with type of player. You know, we actually recruited the players to play the style we wanted to play. So, you know, full credit to Chorley, Garner, Morfuni who appointed them. And, um, you know, we got that right. You know, if you if you had a bunch of cloggers and you were trying to play this way, then, um, you know, it's not going to go well. So... We've got a style of play, we've got the right players, and then I think away from home, where the imperative is on the home team to attack, that just has suited Swindon down to the ground to well mostly sort of have you know quiet first halves and then go for the gears in the second and pick teams off and use that extra space to attack. We've had generally good pace up front on the break in the shape of Simpson and McCurdy, um, latterly Louis Barry. So yeah, that, the home fixtures in reverse, you know, where teams sit in and, you know, ask Swindon to break them down um, has been the problem. But we, we've we gone some way to starting to rectify that, that home issue that you actually look at the 2022 home form. Um, we're getting there. If we can carry that on August to December, then it would have actually been a fairly good home year.
3: Yeah. This is slightly off piste, but I do want to mention it because I think it's been it's all about the away support this season. Um the away support on Thursday I thought was absolutely phenomenal. And I don't think that was talked about enough of all the unsavory stuff we saw after the final whistle and I think that leads on to a lot of the stuff um of this season, like the people like, you know, the great wrestling reds and stuff that they do with the T and stuff, that's been stuff like that is massive. I think, really, in terms of creating a folklore around the football club. I, mean, I think we've all, not us, but, like, all of the fan base has been fantastic, been vociferous this season. And I think it all kind of culminated on, on, on Thursday with that unbelievable support. And it was one of the best away days I've been to in, in years um, in terms of the the crowd noise and the just general vibes in the, in, in the away end. Because, you know, there was, I think we talked about... Um, Joe mentioned it earlier. Like the crowd was quite diverse, really, for for a Swindon crowd. Really, that was next to me in corner. There were some kids, and you know, it was it was just a really great. And I think I don't want that to be kind of missed in the whole kind of unsavoury bits that happened afterwards. So I just yeah, I really wanted to mention that.
0: Amen. Up the Swindon town. Onwards we go then. So um, we've had best team performance. Let's let's talk about individual performances. Previous winners of this award has been Sol Price against Stevenage, Keshe Anderson against Cambridge, and Mr. Broadbent against Oxford. Nominations include Jack Payne versus Forest Green Rovers at home, Tyree Simpson versus Oldham Athletic, Harry McCurdy versus both Northampton and Bradford. But this one... It was such a good performance, it kind of derailed our season a little bit. It was Kane Kessler-Hayden-Joe against Manchester City, a fine individual display. I wish he didn't do it on live television while his uh, boss elsewhere was watching it.
1: Yeah, on the biggest, or the probably one of the biggest channels uh, on British TV, he turned on the style. I thought that Steven Gerrard and co. would have, like, my scouts or whatever. Did they really have to, you know, recall back on that performance? But you know when you're when you're an academy player and you're at a premier league club then you know an opportunity like that to make your mark um we've said it about you know Lewis Ward in this season you know when he's been performing on tv he's managed to pull off uh, you know some good performances and it's the platform is on you and it's your opportunity to shine um obviously i think the the move meant a lot to him we saw that wasn't necessarily the case for the whole season. He kind of sort of grew into that expressive role. I think I'd spoke before in the pod, like his, that sort of close control that he had and some of the skill that he could pull off was really quite remarkable, but it was, it was kind of finding that balance between being able to do that and doing that against, you know, sort of experienced league two, uh fullbacks who might just sort of uh, wipe you out for trying to do something uh, nifty um but yeah all all credit to him um and all credit to uh MK Don's oh no wait they didn't go up so uh probably should have just kept hold of him but it bodes well for next year doesn't it hopefully we'll we'll that hopefully puts us you know in a position of this is the sort of player that you know we've had and that's that's the sort of quality that we're sending back and I don't think that that was a a discounted factor into you know us getting Louis Barry, and there must be other Premier League clubs looking at that with a nice side eye and thinking, hmm. Hopefully, our you know our opponents for that evening are thinking the same for next year.
0: Mm. Well, we'll talk more about the lone players a little bit later on, but we'll move on to best goal now because. Well, me and Dan will probably take a back seat in a minute and um, let two others discuss. <laughs> Previous winners have been Luke Wolfordon versus Colchester and Doyle versus Crawley, and Scott Twine scoring against Ipswich. Uh, nominations included Louis Barry versus Northampton, Tyree Simpson versus Mansfield Town, a deeply satisfying goal. That uh, Louis Reed versus Crewe and Harry McCurdy versus Walsall, but the best goal for this season is Johnny Williams at Sutton United. The vibes coordinator supreme so what what else do we have to say on that it's
3: a good goal that too I mean I think it says a lot about our season that was our best goal because it was it was a very good goal I'm not denying it but I think a lot of our goal season were more kind of well put together quite angular team goals so there wasn't much of that kind of old adage of the goals like just absolutely there weren't many absolute screeners the season, but both actually
2: fair both those goals at Sutton were really good and yeah that Jack Payne's a bit unlucky that he scored the best goal of the season when it didn't count at Exeter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because on, on purely goal scoring terms that, that was probably the best goal.
0: Well you didn't vote for it. <laughs> well because it didn't count Rich. Yeah, and and I really love the fact that you've mentioned that because I think the you know, I, I dismiss Matt Taylor's goal at Wickham because we <laughs> lost. Ooh. So what's the point, right? And uh Keshi Anderson's at Grimsby, we lost,
1: so who cares, right? You know <laughs> <laughs> Aren't, I, Let them have it for show I think that was uh, I'd I'd like to ask James actually because this is we rarely get to uh you know get the get the Wales vibes coordinators on this kind of uh, pod and on the subject of Johnny Williams just to throw in there I'm hearing a lot of things about saying about how you know people wondering at the end of the year whether he really lived up to the hype but I would think as a as a Cymru fan. That Johnny Williams way, is somebody <laughs> Johnny Williams is somebody who's, you know whose career has been sort of marred by injury and in terms of you know what I expected uh for him to have actually you know got through this many games and to have made a good account for himself even if it is down with us in league two, I think he's had a remarkable season and uh, no buyer's remorse from me whatsoever, but then I would say that wouldn't I
3: it's uh, Johnny Williams is a weird one for me because I obviously love the man we obviously we both love him because of Euro 2016 and that performance against Slovakia um, but I do feel like the lure around Johnny Williams certainly in this kind of club kind of career has always been that if you get him fit he will be amazing and I think he's not ever really been above a seven or eight this season and he's played a lot of games and he's I don't know if that's harsh or not I don't know I don't know he's had a good season but I definitely expected him more from him I definitely expected him to tear this league up but maybe next season I do, I do expect Johnny Williams to take this football club, but I I think a lot of League One sides will see him as a risk in terms of if he does get injured, um, you know, he he's gonna command a wage. And I think he's probably happy here because I mean, you probably listen to the podcast he's done with, with Ellis James and stuff like that as well. He talks a lot about how bad he's been treated by medical staff and stuff at other clubs. Um and like the way that managers have have used him and have kind of played in beyond the pain barrier. And I think there is a genuine conversation between the one of the other best um signings in average comments that we've had this season has been the the medical team that we've brought in. Because, you know, the kind of not lack of injuries, but the injuries that, that we've had have definitely been um lessened by having the kind of correct medical care and attention and bring them back at the right time rather than just as quickly as possible has been has led us to having players for longer and having players at their top longer, and I think that kind of stuff now that Johnny's getting into is the end of his career. Let's be brutally honest, um, will be a big thing to him. So I do, I, I do think he will stay around next year, and I think we'll probably see the best of him next season.
2: I think. Um, Can I be an English voice on this? Yes. I, so Joe used the word remarkable, and oh, I'll give you the fact he's played. Upwards of 40 games, <clears throat> I would say that is remarkable. Um, but I've, I don't think he's been, he's lived up to the hype. I think he's been good. But, you know, next to his midfield compadres, Reed and Payne, you know, he's not been at their level. <clears throat> I, I've got to say, for my expectations of him this season, he's not lived up to my, my pre signing expectations. Um, But in a way, that probably gives us more chance of keeping him. And what you have seen in the last two or three months is more regular 80 and 90-minute games for him. Whereas pre-Christmas, it was 60 minutes Saturday, 30 minutes Tuesday, 60 minutes Saturday. Like They were really, really being careful. So hopefully with a full pre-season and a bit more confidence in his body, yeah, I, you'd want more out of him next year, I would say, definitely.
3: The one caveat I would have over Johnny Williams next season, and this is there's a lot of there's a lot of asterisks on this, um, is if Wales get to Qatar, we lose Johnny Williams because I don't think League Two have the break that the others do, right? Correct. You lose one of your top players for a
2: considerable amount of time. Because he's probably going to be in the well, squad. Well, Wales are going to get knocked out in the group, so it's not that long.
0: God, here we go. No, right. We'll move <laughs> on. Great. Um, Is he going to get in the squad? To Johnny, Williams. Johnny Williams will stay at Swindon if his lifestyle can maintain whatever we pay him, and his place in the Wales squad remains. If, if all of those are met, then I think he'll stay at Swindon. Otherwise... He'd be a fool to stick around because he's on the brink of a potential World Cup place. Anyway, we'll move on um, to best goal celebration. A nice quick one here. Previous winners has been the Theo Robinson Kane Stone Cold Stunner. Owen Doyle versus Plymouth away and Tom Broadbent versus Oxford. Yes, last year was just an excuse to mention that game. This year, it's been all about Harry McCurdy and Mathieu Baudry. And the bow and arrow. Is it even, Dan, a bow and arrow? I don't even know. I think it's supposed to be a bow and arrow,
2: but McCurdy's got slightly influenced by circa 2010-11 English cricket sprinklers.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) It could be just finding his range as opposed to multiple shooting of them.
2: Yeah, certainly um, the McCurdy bow and arrow, um, with this being my son's first season and Harry McCurdy being his first big hero. I think the bow and arrow will always have a special place in my my heart uh, and my son's heart.
0: And it is it is the Jan Fyotoff airplane of the modern generation, it, isn't it? Yeah, and that's
2: really what I put, because Jan Argafyotov was the big goal scorer in my first ever season, ninety ninety-four-five. Um and you see the impact of it on the playground. Um and there are kids who support Swindon now, it's amazing. Um and they are doing Harry McCurdy celebration. And when I take my little lad to his football classes on a Saturday morning, they're all sliding about on their knees doing bow and arrows. And, you know, another couple of years of this community engagement and schools and free tickets, you know, for community groups and kids playing on the pitch at halftime, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is good. This is what the town has been crying out for, for years. And McCurdy... As that headliner, rock star, badass, heartthrob. He's just...
0: You're right, Dan. He's been great. Well (laughs) done, Harry. (laughs) We will move on swiftly to best save. Previous wins have gone to Lawrence Vigarou, Stevie Bender and Jojo Wallacott. This year, there were nominations for Jojo Wallacott saves against Mansfield and Northampton and Lewis Ward against... Forest Green Rovers away, but Lewis Ward gets it for his save against Manchester City, a Rodri effort late on which he tipped onto the bar. Joe, a really good save, and I think, you know, we can talk about the fact that he tipped onto the bar, it was a sensational save, but I really want to sort of talk about Jojo versus Ward, but in a positive way, because we spent a lot of time talking about, oh, Jojo should be in the team, or Ward should be in the team, blah, blah, blah. But this has to be one of the healthiest goalkeeping rivalries we've had in a while, which has been great.
1: Yeah, it's been brilliant to see. Uh, yes, as we touched on earlier, you know, Lewis Ward is Mister TV. He can pull it off. You know, when the cameras are in, and yeah, you know, not to forget that you know he'd saved a, a pretty weak penalty. But I get who else can say that they've saved a penalty against Gabriel Jesus this year? Not that many. So Lewis Ward gets that accolade. He pulled off a penalty save. Um, Forest Green as well. Um,
0: And we we didn't, Joe, we didn't give him any credit for saving two penalties in the penalty shootout against Port Vale either, which I felt very, very bad for. And that just goes to show how fickle it is when you lose penalty shootouts, because it was all teed up for him to be the hero, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I I had that feeling of thinking, I trust, I trust Ward on a big occasion to, uh, to come through. And I was right to, but also that it wasn't enough it has been interesting and different this year because in previous years you've had that kind of almost slipped many seasons to having you know either you know your established goalkeeper and uh, a first year or second year pro on the bench or somebody more experienced like when we had mccormick deputizing and we had you know bender this has been the first time where we've had you know, got two keepers who've actually you know when you go and through and you know, go on their wikipedia's they've got almost like parallel like careers they've had forest green stints they've been to scandy they're very similar um and you can just see that that's sort of pushed and driven uh them to bring out their their best performances they seem to have um a good positive relationship as well so it hasn't become you know acrid or or resentful um and they both turned out amazing performances this year i think that's been you know a real strength is actually having, you know, two keepers that you want to push for that shirt, rather than one person's expected to take the back seat. And you've you've got your number one, and they can't be displaced. Well, it's better than having seven keepers in one season, gents. <laughs> On what one week clones, was not it? Wasn't it? <laughs> 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 oh, lovely how we stuff. laughed oh
0: seven goalkeepers unbelievable let's move on to the more positive the big awards um starting with best low knee we do this award because we always have just so many of them and it's always good to recognize this year wow we were really spoiled for quality previous winners include luke wolfenden stevie bender jerry h joint and Matt Smith last season the, the same person got the votes from all of us so despite having your Kane Kessler Hayden's like giving those sort of performances like Man City the winner was Tyree Simpson How, can I say it a little bit me does think automatics might have happened had he stayed and considering the noise around him during his Swindon spell which Joe highlighted in the last episode I I, I stand by it.
2: Yeah um, it, take, it took the Swindon fan base a long time to realise how much we we're going to miss him um, and part of that goes alongside how much he developed and learnt and grew whilst he was at Swindon Town because when he came in and played that friendly against Peterborough and the early games of the season against Scunthorpe and Cambridge. You could see there was this in tank of a centre forward but didn't quite yet know how to use his body. Hadn't played the games to you know, really take the rough and tumble of, of League Two. But in the space of four or five months, his rate of development was phenomenal. Um, and then he started to add the goals um, to that. And I think uh, he ended on 11 goals before he was recalled and it's just such a shame going back to your uh, your biggest villain character uh category earlier just such a shame that Ipswich took a contractual decision to well just stifle Tyrese's development for the next four or five months which seems awfully awfully petty at a human level
0: James, in terms of Ben Chorley's work this season, and it rarely gets the recognition. I don't know why that is. It's kind of like, it's it's that sort of role that football fans don't really like talking about or really know what the ins and outs are. And they do keep it very, very quiet at Swindon Town Football Club. But we we have had an impressive strike rate this season with our loanies and our permanent transfers, in fairness, compared to what we were expecting I kind of think that he's put a lot of pressure on himself for this summer now as a result of how well he's done. But the season's just gone. A phenomenal effort in the transfer market.
3: Near yeah, enough 10 out of 10, isn't it? Really, The only really duff one we had was Alex Gilbert. I don't think even that was...
0: He wasn't supposed to be a starter, yeah, I don't so... think. I think, I, I think he, he got thrown in at the deep end based on... Targets elsewhere not happening. I'll, I'll stick with that with that theory.
3: Yeah, I think he was meant to be kind of an off the bench option, right? And then was kind of thrust into being our kind of main deadline day transfer chain, probably ended him. But but then I know we don't really need to talk much more about Alex Gill But I mean, he was decent and could to the rest of him in the screen and all that kind of stuff. But surely, I mean, so <laughs> I'm going to have to kind of going back to kind of the start of the season. I remember going to the the Peterborough game, I think I did that one for the pod and I remember uh, being in the the cricket ground kind of having a pint and then looking down at the team and seeing that we signed Tyrese Simpson this lad, 18 year old lad from you know um, Ipswich just thinking who the hell is like what the hell is going on have we gone down that far that we can't that we have to get a lad from Ipswich and I watched watched him play and I have to admit on first showing didn't think that much of him. I think I said something that we made a bit of a duff there and we should have we should have signed Michael and Jolly. And uh that is something
0: <laughs> lift live, but live live by the sword i need to die by it as well you got to, you got to, and this is why we're all relieved we didn't do predictions last summer so um it's one of those things i mean i think it's you've being harsh on ipswich town you know it's still a decent team to get players from um it's not like when we loaned uh when we got des linton in from peterborough during a relegation season when they were in a division below that was that was a body blow i'm i'm wary of the fact, Dan, that I'm saying all this really positive stuff, but ultimately we didn't go up. We we fell, we're still in League Two. But I think I think I think it has been a really good season in the transfer market. I really do. Absolutely. Um
2: I, I was just gonna come in on, on Tyree Simpson actually. It had it have been a thriving Swindon, um, with a bigger squad and more options, perhaps we would never have seen Tyree Simpson's development at the rate it happened. Um, he really was our only out-and-out centre-forward. Um, basically, all the way up to up to January, you know, he had to play for the team to function. Uh, and you've seen that with Davison from January onwards. He's probably the one you can't do without to give you that bit of muscle and presence up front. So it was kind of the perfect move for Tyrese because he came here and... Yeah, was going to play every week because he had to. And yeah, in that sense, um, what looked like a curious loan move uh, to the points James has just made um, was actually ruddy perfect for all parties. But yeah, more more generally, um, in terms of recruitment, um, it probably shows you how much pre-work had gone in. And that was one of the really notable things. As soon as the takeover was completed, it was really pleasing to see how many positions had already been filled. You know, we'd had a manager lined up. We had a director of football lined up. We had already said that we're going to bring in medical professionals, better physios. That stuff was lined up. So, yeah, I think the pre-work was the the clincher. Um, mm. This wasn't on the fly, off, off the cuff um, recruitment. This was recruitment with a plan and a style, as we, we touched on earlier. So, yeah, I suppose, yeah, they have put pressure on themselves for this this summer coming. Um, hopefully the embargo will be lifted soon, which uh, should make us a bigger hitter in terms of wages, but that can sometimes bring its own problems. Um, you think uh, post-2009-10, on the face of it, what looked like really good experienced recruitment players like Michael Rose, David Prutton, getting Ferry and Cads in on permanent deals. It was all looking like, uh, you know, even though we've lost Painter, you know, we're actually going to kick on this year. And so there is so much luck that goes into recruitment. And we've seen a bit of bad luck uh, on the loan stuff post-January. Brandon Cooper's injury, uh, Joe Tomlinson, a couple of injuries. Um, Yeah, so... (sighs) There's a lot of variables that go into it, but um, fingers crossed all the signs are there that we're going to recruit well.
0: We move on to breakout season, uh, which you know is open for interpretation. It was interesting seeing um, how the squad uh, nominated. Previous winners have been Kyle Noyle, Rob Hunt and Scott Twine. This year, there were nods, uh, nominations for Ricky Aguilar and Ellis Andelo, But the winner, I think I get it. Harry McCurdy, proper wallop, a man who arrived in the summer on trial, singing for his supper, didn't even start the season, you know, he scored on the opening day, but, you know, in that first half of the season, he was behind Alex Gilbert in the starting 11. And then after January, he just was sensational. His scoring form was, was something else, deeply frustrating at times. But Joe you can't argue with it. It's been a hell of an opening season for him. And compared to his other spells elsewhere, where he hasn't been as prolific,
1: this is a breakout year for him. Yeah, we talked a lot about, you know, people having potential earlier on. And, you know, this was the year where Harry McCurdy got to sort of, you know, live up to to his own hype train, really. I don't think there was many who've had a breakout season. There've been people who've, you know, made some great strides. We've only really had, you know contracted over from last year somebody who's made vast improvements to sort of be moved around was maybe I um on that uh Aguiar has shown you know traces of you know being a great a great find but you know still you know a great raw material a diamond in the rough as they would have said uh in Aladdin back in the day that just something that is quite congested in that you know in that Midfield three, you know, to find a space and you know to give him opportunities to, um, to develop. I think as as Dan had touched on earlier, you know, people like you know us in our you know mid thirties and getting a bit you know boring and hand wringing You know, we might think things that he says on social media or Instagram or that kind of status thing are a bit silly, but you know when kids are giving it the bow and arrow. At, Football training or in the playground, they don't care about that kind of stuff. They just care about, you know, Harry's the hero. How many people have got you know the bucket hats on or the silly glasses? You even get people like Vic Morgan getting them on on the OSE, opening the show with you know his Harry mccurdy sunglasses, turning up at the EFL awards with you know a bucket hat and sunglasses and two dates. Uh, but well, proper wallop there. Uh, it's it's just been that sort of fulfilment. I mean. I think that when we get to you know talk about best players, I, we're not going to have any you know huge surprises in terms of who gets nod there and who gets you know the pollsters. You know, spoiler alert, that's not going to be a big a big surprise. But he's had he's had a breakout year and he's he's had a year of having you know that that superstar status, even if it is just you know just with us at Swindon. You know, he's is learning that Swindon is uh, is a big place and he's a big part of it.
0: Lovely. Thank you very much. Let us go on now to Unsung Hero. So I guess this is this is the award for the player that we feel doesn't get enough credit. And previous winners have been Keshi Anderson, Kane Woolery and Tyler Smith. Uh, I think it's more that the football club didn't give Tyler Smith enough credit more than the fans last season. This year, people argued for Rob Hunt, Ellis Andelo, and the kit staff, Stephen Jonah. Hi, guys. Um, but this year we voted Josh Davison, Dan. And yeah, I, I don't mind that at all.
2: No, well, just so the listeners know, I didn't nominate Josh Davison. I I, I, I was pining for Rob Hunt or Akinodomeo in this category. Two very reliable defenders, play everywhere across the line. But I can certainly see the merits for Josh Davison, um, given the loss of Simpson and the clamour you know, for how much everybody loves Simpson um Davidson had some big shoes to fill um and as you know we've we've been on this pod over the last couple of months, and I've gone through waves of you know Davidson's the man to you know Davidson's not quite a good enough finisher, but he's always always done the hard work and he's always been that presence up front which has given space to his forward line colleagues um principally Barry and McCurdy lately. Um, he's just so ruddy-likable as well, owing to the hard work. Um, and actually, if you look back at his time at Swindon, nine goals in 23 starts, I would say he's doing really well for his finishing ability there to have got nine in 23. It probably tells you how many chances Swindon Town Townmakers decide, actually. Um, now we're staying down, I think that would be a very shrewd bit of uh, transfer business. Uh, I know Charlton have triggered another year on his contract, but I mean, if it's going to cost you 7,500K, I think that'd be money well spent. Because in a bigger squad with more competition, I think if Davison is, you know, competing with, say, a Tyrese Simpson, I'm not saying we're going to get Tyrese. um, That might be a bit far-fetched, but... um, yeah, I think in a squad of strikers, I, I, I think he's um, a good option. Definitely.
0: And he, and he has the hair of Claudio Canigia. <laughs> wow, so... absolutely. What more do you need? We've got a it's, hairy front it's...
2: line there, haven't we? McCurdy, uh, Davison, yeah. and even Barry with the shaved sides and the floppy top. Yeah. He's Harry's on. clinging
0: on though, isn't he? <laughs> he's clinging on. Yeah, he's got to come home soon. It, it's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> far ahead lovely stuff thank you very much for that we move to the next one we're getting into the biggies now most improved previous winners have been james dunn ellis ianderlo scott twine and it was almost a clean sweep in the nominations much like tyrese was earlier but there was a, a vote and nod for Mathieu baudry given that sensational uh tail end of the season that he had but it, i think it could only be One winner and it's okay to win this award more than once because if you keep improving you get most improved it's Ellis Iandalo James what a season he's had yeah he's been
3: phenomenal and it's you know he's been the kind of the best narrative arc of the season I think obviously I've been at this kind of club so long and now kind of having a full season that's been pretty nice to kind of show what he's about and he's been fantastic like he's been some of the performances like that performance against Walsall away and the fact that he's had to kind of you know I, was having, I mean I know all, it's quite like COVID but you saw certainly after the was it the Stevenage game they came back with him absolutely blowing out of gas after about what 10 minutes of remember hearing on the radio and I don't know it's just he, just, he, does, he deserves more credit as a Swindon player and as a Swindon it, not just this season but for that kind of career, than he's probably gotten... It's nice that he's finally, after God knows how many years, finally got a chance. So, yeah, he he definitely deserves that award.
0: Things that really stand out when it comes to LSI Andalou's Swindon Town career is that previously, the best he ever reached in terms of starts in all competitions for Swindon was 13-1-3 games in a, in a whole season. This season, it was 46. And this has been one of the, the the big takes from this season, and as has already been mentioned, the new staff have kept Ellis Ayendele fit, which is fantastic, and also the versatility of the man because he was arguably his best in midfield.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, we've seen spells of Ayendele in previous seasons, as we said uh, on the last pod, and you know it's been sometimes you know cut short What just as you're starting to see that potential come through he has got versatility I think he's played pretty much everywhere like at this point apart from up top maybe we could give that a go at some point next year maybe that's actually his ideal position maybe we should uh, try that one but so far it seems like the sweet spot is in that midfield Um, and unfortunately you know that's that's already uh, quite contested as it is and we had defensive problems and had to sort of retreat him back and he's you know he's worked very well in left back Um, I don't know if managers sometimes have that idea that because you've got somebody who can cover so many positions you know they're not at the forefront of of starting but you know he's made a case that you know wherever the vacancy is for him that you you want to use him and you've seen him sort of you know grow in Growing confidence and character over the season, um, as well, and as we'd said on the last pod, in terms of you know what's happened in that playoff game, I think it's an irrelevance, and I've, you know you see the the kind of reaction that people have had online in terms of you know wanting to big him up and give him love. Uh, I think only onwards and upwards. for him next year. He might get most improved once again. He might be you know immortal.
2: The we had about a month bout didn't we? February March time where we were regularly playing a midfield free of Iandolo, left of centre, Reed, central and Aguiar sort of, um, you know, burst onto the scene playing in right centre midfield. And actually you think about that midfield in terms of seniority compared to Payne, Reed, Williams. Yeah. Our results through that period were pretty good. You know, wins away at Carlisle, home wins against Warsaw. it's um, actually You know, Eindelow has gone from squad player, young and, you know, to being in that midfield, you know, being the example for someone like an Aguiar to follow. And actually, it's kind of sad in a way that he's had to finish the season uh, um, at left-back because that's probably his second best position to that left of a a three in in midfield where he had a really, really good run. And some of his link-up play with Tomlinson at left-back and Barry at, at left wing. That triumvirate down the left-hand side, we didn't get to see it much, but it, um, was a couple of the goals against Walsall on the Tuesday night were absolutely superb. And I think that, that is where we should actually utilise him uh, moving forwards.
0: Let's see what Ben Garner does on that front. I guess it all dictated on how the transfer market and the squad stuff goes. Um, we did. Our own Swindon Town 11, Ideal 11, not really much chat for this one. It was just interesting to see what we went with on based on nominations. We went with Jojo Wallacott in goal, a back four of Rob Hunt, Dion Conroy and Matthew Baudry and Ellis Iandolo In midfield, Louis Reed, Jack Payne and Johnny Williams. And up front, Harry McCurdy, Tyrese Simpson and Louis Barry on the bench. Brandon Cooper, Lewis Ward, Josh Davison, Mandela Egbo. Ben Gladwin, Kane Kessler-Hayden and Akin Odameo. A pretty good 11 there. I think you all agree people will want others in there. I think there was definitely arguments for some of those bench players but that's a hell of an 11 if you ask me if they were all fit and playing at the same time it could be something I do wonder though Joe did did we give our fringe players enough chances we had the Papa John's trophy they were used a little bit more frequently in the first half of the season but the likes of Mitchell Lawson and East and to a lesser degree Harry Parsons they did fade away um, nearer to the end of the season, didn't they?
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of makes me feel like I wonder if they really had a fair crack to assert themselves. I mean, we already touched earlier on, uh, you know, on Alex Gilbert, and you know he was looking, it was looking like a, a a good prospect or somebody who could contribute well to the team until he went off on the um, on the international break, and when he came back, you know that that level of competition just seemed to seem to be just you know too much to to overcome. I think it's definitely something we'll have to look at because we know that ghana is not favorable in you know terms of making substitutions early on or at all sometimes. So uh I really hope that next year that we can have a look at uh you know ways that we can get even if it is um I said before you know living in Wickham and they have a you know, B team models, so they're not in a prescribed league, but they get those, you know, closed doors friendlies, some sort of competitive football that isn't just that. Uh, Chippenham loan, you know, which has learned, which has, you know, been useful um, on occasion, but you know, for somebody like uh, Mitchell Lawson or East, you want them to sort of be testing themselves against professionals, and just not sure they have necessarily got, uh, you know, enough of a bite of the apple to show. What they could do, I think if they were good enough, they would have played
2: um, and actually, the settled team that we've had in the last six weeks has been a real plus um, and a strength um, Mitchell Lawson's the one that really surprises me because um with his history of playing for Garner at Bristol Rovers twice was it um and then, you know, and having been in Swindon's youth team and it, it felt like a bit of a homecoming, actually. That's a signing I was quite excited about. Um, but yeah, it just, it feels rather sadly like it's just going to be a, you know, best of luck, Jayden, um, as he gets released. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I want a bit more out of that one, but for one reason or another, it's not happened, I think.
0: And, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not like a, the season would have been different if no, Ryan no, East no, no. played more games because there was no way Ryan East was getting into that team or Harry Parsons. And you're quite right. I think the only real fringe player who you might have wanted to throw on with five, 10, 15 minutes to go was probably Mitchell Lawson based on the reputation that he had previously in his career. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. And, and once the, the cup runs dried out, so did a lot of their minutes. And you've got to ask yourself, like, we did run a few of those players into the ground a wee bit nearer to the end. They absolutely deserve to be in that 11. But, you know, when you're looking for that one goal against Port Vale, there wasn't anybody on that bench that you would think, look well, this, your Rory Fallon is what I always yeah. say the, the, in, in 304, where you would bring him on for Mooney and be like, right, we're still, we're still even. We're not, we've, we've not weakened our side. Yeah. So, so it, I guess what, we're looking here for is maybe a bit more quality and depth next next season.
2: Yeah, and it's an understandable consequence of the conditions yes. the club are trading in, Absolutely. isn't it? With the embargo Absolutely. and the rushed recruitment last summer. So, it, if anything, it makes our playoff tilt more remarkable, not less so.
0: definitely. Absolutely. 100% agree. We More fan-driven awards. So, the fans' favourite and the Lou Reed Man of the Match spreadsheet winner. So, the fans' favourite... In previous years have been Michael Doughty, Anthony Grant and Jack Payne. This was a four person vote based on the four highest uh, placed finishes on the spreadsheet. So that went to, well, the vote went to Jack Payne, Harry McCurdy, Ellis Iandolo, and Lewis Reed In fourth place with 13% of the vote was Jack Payne. In third place with 18% Ellis Anderleau. In second place, Harry McCurdy with 23% and in first place with 46% of a vote of 560 plus votes was Lou Reed, which is funny because the person who finished first in the actual spreadsheet over the season of Man of the Matches was Jack Payne. So Jack Payne wins the Lou Reed Man of the Match spreadsheet winner for the second year in (laughs) a row, even though Lou, Lou Reed wasn't in the Swindon squad a year ago. And Jack Payne doesn't win the fantasy. (laughs) <laughs> um a glorious mess, but it's good to sh- show the love. We'll talk, I'm sure, about Lou Reed a little bit later. But again, another season where Jack Payne just got better for me. And well, again, we'll get to it. But Jack Payne, how he'll leave Swindon one day and wonder how he didn't get player of the season for real is beyond me because what an asset he's been.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think... But I think that says a lot about how good our squad's been this season certainly how good our midfield's been this season. You kind of can't really have one without the other. So I think kind of them sharing kind of the... with Lou getting the fans' favourite and then Jack getting the man, man of the match stuff, I think it kind of makes sense in terms of how they both kind of work together because I think they both feed off each other's play. So I think it's kind of a good kind of... Um, I think the work kind of finishing of the circle, rounding of the circle of that. I think because you can't really have one for the I mean, same thing. You put Johnny Williams in that bracket as well. So, um, but yeah, at times of season, Jack Payne has been absolutely phenomenal, really, and because he's one of those players that you kind of love to see because he is in the midfield. He's a, he's a player who likes to take the the game by the scruff of the neck, and um, yeah, because he is type of player who can dig us up the situation because he has got that kind of individual skill. And he was one of the players on, on Thursday night who I thought would be the game changer you know, as he has been so much this season. So, yeah, I think he'll probably be, be a little aggrieved to not have got the top gong. But, you know, I think it's undeniable. I think he'll know what he's done. And I think any player in any kind of midfield, you, you kind of, the way that our kind of midfield is configured it kind of makes sense that it's kind of shared between them.
1: I imagine that we probably have a lot to thank for him in terms of, you know, his, uh, you know, his off the field presence and, you know, being a teammate, that's probably, uh, his influence has given us that, that McCurdy, uh, performance this year.
0: Yeah. They've looked after him, haven't they? Um, and you definitely see Jack Payne playing a huge part behind the scenes as he does on the pitch too. um, Terry's convinced me that he's going, so <laughs> I really hope he doesn't. But Terry, Terry keeps telling us he, he's on his way. Uh, I don't know what ITK he's got. Hopefully, it's absolute nonsense. But um, just, just a really, really great. I mean, he's come out of the relegation season uh, unscathed, which you can't, you can't ask much more than that, Dan. Can you?
2: No. Um, and actually, you look back to. Sort of tail end of that season, and regularly, him and Twine were the the heartbeat of any sort of Swindon forward effort, Um, and the work rate that came with both men was really striking as well. And that you go back to when we first signed Payne, you know, on reputation and perhaps I've been lazy. You're thinking, you know, it's a bit of a luxury player, small, he's going to drift in and out of games. But his work rate at Swindon has been phenomenal, Mm. and that almost covers for his diminutive uh, size quite a lot of the time. So, yeah, if he does go to a top end League One club, which is probably a very fair assessment of his level, good luck to him because he's he's been a fantastic servant to Swindon over two years. Wonderful effort as we've seen, Um, captain material too, which has been. Some good recognition for him when um, uh, Conroy's been out. Reflects his standing in the squad, as we've touched on. So, no, I've got a whole heap of love for Payney and 13 goals from midfield. That's like you're getting on Kevin Horlock levels there. So, yes, 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 yes. yes, 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 Excellent player.
0: Oh, yeah another great season and deserved a promotion. And that, that brings us to our final award. And I don't know if we've talked about the whole season enough. The pod best player previous winners have been Carl Noyle, Owen Doyle, and our great friend, Jack Payne too. And Jack Payne was in the equation for this one. And I think despite all my noise, all this season, I think Jack Payne, if if we played a few, a month or two more might have won it, but the winner Of the 2022 LS Pod Best Player, it's Mr. Lou Reed. And the guy should have won the spreadsheet, but listeners were like, well, Lou Reed's great every week, so I'll give it to XYZ. And he should have won the the advertiser, the the traditional one, but Harry McCurdy gets votes probably from far afield than Swindon fans for his proper wallet behaviour on social media and that's that's my theory even though he had a really great season but Lewis Reid in League Two was a travesty to his career but absolute privilege for Swindon Town Football Club Joe just a magnificent footballer
1: yeah it's interesting that you say because I I think I definitely would think that every week of you know when it's coming to pick a man of the match it's almost that we'd become complacent and it was just a given that he would be outstanding every week,
0: which is why I named the spreadsheet after him because every week people were saying, well, Lou Reed was the best player, but I'm not giving him man of the match because he's just good. So I give it to. Yeah. yeah. Like
1: Like it was an opportunity to give acknowledgement to somebody other than Reed, because Reed was by default, always the, the best. I think in terms of the way that we'd set up um, as well, whether we had that, you know, the five at the back with the wing back system, and the uh, the, we went to the four. Um, he was that that linchpin. He was he was the the engine room, wasn't he, between defence and midfield, and the guy who made things go on. It was such a yeah, you know, such a boon to get him, especially when there was you know League One clubs and our old friend Mister Wellens in his old employment. When you know he put a bid in at uh, when he was at Doncaster, didn't he? And they lost out. He'd rather, well, struggle along with us at Swindon than be in, you know, what their relegation dogfight would have been. Though I don't think that was, you know, the vision that was sold to him at Doncaster, and I think our vision was just to stay in the league. So what the appeal was to come here, um, I don't know. But obviously we're hugely grateful that that he has. He's been, you know, ever present. If I think back to, you know, those earlier fixtures when he was playing alongside with Grant and we were having the two defensive midfielders they were kind of you know almost like not quite as cohesive as they played like in sort of different ways he thrived a lot more and i think maybe that led to uh yeah led to frictions or things going elsewhere i don't know we'll talked through that sort of stuff plenty of times before but he operated yeah at his best you know on his own as that as that pivot really um yeah, just a remarkable year. If we could, if we could keep hold of him, what a, what a contract that would be.
2: The most telling way of measuring Reed's impact to the side is looking at our record without Reed in the side, and I think I'm not wrong in saying, uh, of all the games Reed's missed, we've only won one of them, and that was Scunthorpe on the first day, and uh, Reed came on at the end of that game. Um, yeah, I mean for the style that we want to play and JR's touched on it there, be that three, five, two or four, three, three or four, three, two, one, whatever. um, He is the linchpin. Absolutely. The heartbeat. Like he sets the tempo. He does the raking long field balls. He's really clever in linking defense and attack. So, yeah, well, I can think back to Crawley away where East sort of got his big opportunity without Reed in the side. And even though East is a, a good academy product and, a, you know, a serviceable footballer, it's just a payer limitation. Um, and in many ways, it's unfair to judge East against Reed because in Reedy, you've got one of the best ones I've seen at Swindon in terms of, you know, the job he does. It's magnificent. He's sort of at like peak Kazim levels I would put him at.
3: Yeah, Zach Swip I think he seen that kind of he just passing range is incredible and that's kind of he allowed Jack Payne and Johnny Williams when he was on his kind of peak form to kind of play in those almost have like two number tens with Lou Reed always playing two positions, like the seat, uh, the number six and the eight so they could kind of bomb on and and help help McCurdy and Davison and um um Barry as well. And like his just footballing brain is probably one of the best I've seen because yes, he, he is a defensive midfielder, but he's not a tough tackling defensive midfielder. A lot of his kind of players knowing to be in the right place and just his control and he could just I don't think I've seen a, a better player to spot a pass than and his first touch, and the stu- he just does a lot of those kind of passes so effortlessly, whether it's kind of a short kind of push, one foot push pass, or a raking diagonal to Louis Barry or Harry McCurdy, and it hits him on their on toe their every, every time almost. So, yeah, he's definitely been one of the best players that we've had,
0: certainly in that midfield for a long time uh, Lou Reed what a guy hope he stays for at least another season and there we have it almost finished I, I want the, the final word really to be on Ben Garner uh, I think in, oh, yeah. in terms of the podcast <laughs> we, we, we rarely really discuss him as a tactician as a, as a manager we sort of focus on the game and say this guy played well and we, we do talk about him occasionally but not as nearly as much 56 games he managed Swindon Uh managed for Swindon this season, which is, in, our, in terms of us with the Cups, that's that's quite something. Won 28, drawn 12, lost 16, goals scored 92, 65 uh, conceded, which is only five more than John Sheridan's 33 games, to give it some perspective. Uh, a really unexpected hit for me. I... Had very little expectations, which was probably then helped by the fact that we were in such peril last summer. But of course, that Bristol Rovers spell isn't something that you want to show any future employer and go, Yeah, just don't worry about it, I'll be fine. Because you look at that and you do have to ask questions. He got a lot right this year, there were a few moments where he frustrated. Can he take Swindon to the next level?
2: Ooh. Yeah. um, Yes, I think and the reason I can give a qualified yes is I think much like players develop over seasons and careers, I think you've seen Ben Garner learn about himself as a manager this year Um, I complimented him a couple of pods ago on his um, man management because actually it has seemed a really happy, unified strong ship and even if there have been disagreements. We haven't seen or heard about it, which is, you know, that's that's actually a sign of a pretty tightly run dressing room. So, I mean, in terms of man management, he seems really liked by the players. He's clearly a very, very good coach. And his CV before Bristol Rovers, you know, kind of speaks for itself. Um, I think what you're seeing actually in the last couple of months is probably... He is settling on a style which he thinks can work in this league. Um, there were lots of accusations, perhaps rightly, and I was on this train, about overplaying um, football without purpose, you know, ponderous, boring football almost at times. And uh, there's been many home games where you know we've come away feeling like that and, and we've spoke about that on this pod. But in the last... Months, six weeks, with a settled side, in this 4 free 3 free shape. Um, I think I've put one too many threes in there. Sorry, gents. Um, yeah, I, I think we've now got a really, really good base with Ghana. And hopefully we can keep the core of this side together, although I fear we might lose one or two more than I'd like, with a full pre-season, with the good recruitment, with the embargo lifted. I would really like to see Garner and Swindon win League Two next year. Uh, I think that's definitely within the realms of possibility. That's what we should be aiming for. And this time next year, I think we'll be worried perhaps about teams nabbing Ben Garner, if not before. So um, his stock has definitely risen in the last couple of months. There was that spring wobble, for sure,
3: he's definitely got over the academy manager hump. I think that I was definitely worried about. I think he's definitely kind of showed a bit of pragmatism, which you need to have to be a good EFL manager. And definitely, the academy manager was definitely what I thought of him. Certainly after kind of he had like those Crawley away and that kind of Ides of March or something. I don't know. To try use a that didn't really kind of and now kind of that last five games he prior to the playoffs which is fantastic so I think you've got to give him credit and he definitely does the chance to have a I mean he's not even had a full preseason, so I don't think but n- now is where we get to truly truly judge him and what he's done before that has been fantastic so you've got to give him all the applause he deserves I mean the fact he's not been in any well as I've seen several kind of Manager of the year things, and fact he's not
1: even been shortlisted in League Two
3: whatsoever, I think is kind of a joke considering what's happened and where we are, really. Um, so
1: judging yeah. on what's happened to some of the other League Two managers, I'm all for it. Please be as quiet as possible. <laughs> I said, yeah.
0: Well, that's it then. The fourth season of LS Pod is almost done. We're on call for the retained list to be announced and then we move to season five of covering this fine football club. We'll be moving to a summer schedule where there will be at least one episode per week, but we shall dip in for extra whenever there is news a huge 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 thank you to all of you for listening i appreciate you so much for all taking the time out to listen whether swindon town win lose or draw and a massive thank you of course to all the panelists and guests who are featured across this campaign truly a team effort until next time thank you very much cheers all thanks rich
3: see
1: you in August or July, whenever it is.
0: The low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening.
1: Come on, Swindon. <laughs>